Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. This is going to be, this is the first workshop of uh, hopefully what's about to become a monthly a recurrent workshop. We're going to schedule that every month. So, um, I'm going to be uh, working with the Gango Retain community to identify what's really top of mind and leverage some uh, feedback to schedule this uh, future workshop. Uh, the next one I have in mind is a, might be around compensation, and so that and we can just highlight a few things. Uh, you, you are welcome to share ideas. Uh, let me just. Here we go. How many are we? Okay. Perfect. Good. Hi, Diana. Hey. Hey. So we're going to start on time today and um, get back to our normal life at the top of the hour. Exactly sixty minutes. Tom, so good to see you. So I was uh, mentioned as I was mentioning, this is going to be a recurrent uh, workshop once a month, hopefully at the same date, and I will come up with ideas. You are welcome to reach out and share questions. We're thinking for the next one will be around compensation. The way I set up this workshop is divided <laughs> into two. Here we go. In two pieces. The first one is I spend some time gathering ideas and um, uh, over um, around the overall segmentation. My understanding, we're gonna slowly deep. Uh, we're gonna dive in slowly into segmentation tiering. I will be sharing some use cases. This is not a time for me to. I'm not here to tell you how to do your job or or answer any specific questions I'm here. The purpose of this workshop is to share kind of best practices, what I've seen on the market, but at the same time as well, and this is really where the, the meat of the uh, workshop is, is for all of you um, to jump in and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of segmenting. Share a couple of failures, if you're comfortable sharing that, couple of successes as well, and really bounce ideas. And to, the purpose is to learn from each other. Um, please use, uh, as for uh, Gain, Grow, Retain, use your um, digital hand when you want to have a questions. Uh, if I don't have any, if we don't have any question, I will just jump into some of you guys just to ask this question. Do you have any anything before we get in? Any question? Okay, perfect. So let's start with so let's start with a little introduction. So I am a Marvel fan. So don't be scared when you see a couple of Captain America just pop in. I thought it would be a fun way just to engage with everyone. So I would like to have a quick um, round of table for everyone to introduce themselves, the name, what they're doing, the title, but most importantly, what is um, what is your superpower? Uh, I'm happy to start. My name is Bertil. I'm working for Gartner. I am an account, a senior account manager at Gartner, looking to move to um, customer success. My superpower, I believe, is to build bridges between people and find it um, find very comfortable doing that um, during pandemic, digital or in person. That's my superpower. Um, would you like to start maybe uh, Anastasia? Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Anastasia. I'm currently transitioning into customer success, hopefully landing my new role somewhere soon. Um, and I would say to Echo Berto, my superpower is actually to connect people and to help bridge those gaps and make introductions. Thank you. Next one, we can start with uh, letter B. I don't, I don't have a full screen, but go ahead. No B. Okay, so let me just pick people. Uh, Julie, would you like to be next? Absolutely. So, hi everyone. My name is Julie Parker, and I have actually just transitioned into customer success for a great company called Revenue Well. Uh, my, uh, before that I was in sales. So my superpower is kind of being able to talk to anybody about anything at any time. So I'm hoping that'll translate well into customer success and really building those relationships with my customers and helping them to get success. Thank you. Alex? Hi everyone, uh, my name is Alex Wolpa. So I've been in customer success for uh, maybe a little over a year and a half now, working for a company called RFP360 based out of Kansas City, Missouri. Um, and my superpower, I would say, is being able to listen and, and understand uh, people's problems and, and questions. Um, I, hopefully my girlfriend agrees with me there, uh, since I like to think that I'm pretty good at it. But um, I think that's a, that's a big key to customer success is 
know, understanding what, what, what the customer is asking for, um, because sometimes they don't actually know themselves. Thank you. Megan? Yeah, my name is Megan Kraft. I work for a company called Agency Block um, as a client success strategist. And I would say my superpower is listening to the, the customer and then finding the appropriate resources to help um, solve their problem or to provide more value. Thank you. Tom? Hello, Tom Hayes. Uh, I am like some of the folks here seeking a customer success role. I, I had one uh, in the past uh, and, and it's ironic. I, I think about when the customer success manager title came out, many of us were against it, but that was seven, eight years ago or so, but we love it. Um, I actually worked with Dana Souza at uh, Dun & Bradstreet together. So we experienced some, some good times there. Uh, my superpower would be, you know, I would say connecting with customers, but then that connection the key there is, is long-term connections. Uh, I took pride in having long-term uh, retention with some of my customers anywhere up to 10 years. So uh, that would be my superpower. Thank you, Tom. Patty? Good off mute. Thank you very much. I'm uh, the director of customer success at a company called SalesEye. Uh, we're headquartered out of the UK, uh, but we do have a Chicago office, which I work out of. Um, and I would say that my superpower is uh, taking complex items and, and making them easily comprehensible, uh, mm -hmm. and, and especially in the tech world, there's a lot of different jargon and uh, synonyms and acronyms and everything thrown out there. So being able to, to make that much more easy for uh, customers and, and internal uh, CSMs to, to understand and, and move forward with. Thank you. Diana? <clears throat> Hello, my name is Diana De Jesus, and I'm a customer success manager at Catalyst, which is a customer success platform. And I would say that my superpower is um, making customer success knowledge accessible to everyone. So I do that a bit on LinkedIn, do that a bit at work as well, um, and really just trying to amplify the CS space as much as possible. Thank you. Lisa? Let's try Hi to keep everyone. it within 10 seconds, sorry, like that we can diving into the meat of the, uh, the content. Yep. But go ahead, Lisa. Hi, everyone. I'm Liza Hansen. I'm at RevenueWell with Julie as well, and I'm a customer success specialist. My superpower is creating stronger uh, relationships between myself and the customer and the customer and their customers. Thank you. Parker? Ah, you're on mute, sir. I'm sorry. There we go. Uh, Parker Chase Corwin. I work at a company called Patronics. I'm the senior director of customer success and support. Uh, superpower, I'll say, is putting out fires for really hot customers. Good one. Thanks, Parker. Christian, good to see you. As well, my name is Christian. My title is CSM at a company called Blueboard.com, uh, where I'll start on December 1st. My superpower would be rational optimism. Love it. Russell, hi. Hi. Hi, thanks. Uh, so Russell Bourne, um, I run customer experience for a company called Elite Edge Tutoring. Um, and I think my superpower is being able to see a situation and figure out how to make it better. Love it. Jake? Jake? Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, Jake Mesterid is here uh, working for uh, a company called Morningstar of Chicago, uh, manager of a, of a team of customer success managers, superpower, uh, two words, customer advocacy. Thank you. Christine? Hi, I'm Christine and I lead customer experience for a startup called KitchenMate. And my superpower is being able to use data, look at the trends and drive product adoption using clever customer communication. Thank you. Michaela? Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Michaela. I'm a customer success specialist at LaunchDarkly. Um, and I think my superpower is being able to present uh, the best solution and provide uh, value for the customer. Thank you. Mr. Liverpool, aka Matt. Hey, everyone. Uh, Matt Mishkowski. I am the VP of customer experience here at Cision. Uh, my superpower is inspiring through passion. Love it. Thanks, Ronnie. Hello, I'm Ronnie Gunn. I'm an enterprise customer success manager at Zoom. I've just been here about five months. It's wonderful. My superpower, I would say, is habitually prospecting. Although that sounds a little sales-ish, uh, I pride myself on being able to really dig in and understand who's who 
and how I can leverage their peers and, and intrigue their peers to want to learn more about Zoom as well. Thank you. Simon? Hi, Simon Spiro here, Enterprise Customer Success Manager at Data IQ, and I'd say my superpower is probably educating and helping our clients grow their knowledge along the way. Thank you. Jessica? Hi, I'm Jessica Holt. I work for Alice as a CSM, and my superpower would be building meaningful relationships and um, identifying opportunities. Thank you. Andreas, good to see you. Good morning. Hi, everyone. Andreas Knofel. Um, I have my own consulting business in customer success, and my superpower is maximizing the profits we get from customers. Thank you. Aaron? Hi. Hey, good morning, all. Aaron Woods. Uh, I lead customer success for uh, the East Coast and EMEA out of LaunchDarkly. Um, I'd say my superpower is navigating the political environments, both internally as well as at the client. That's a great superpower. <laughs> Craig? Uh, hi, guys. I'm Craig. I'm head of customer success for Accountancy Cloud in the UK. Uh, my superpower has to be the ability to reduce churn. Even in the 11th hour, I don't let them go. Very useful. I have that on your toolkit. Uh, I'm sorry for the pronunciation. Uh, Leighan, is that correct? It's Leanne. Leanne, sorry. No, the Leanne. Great. Um, I am the director of success for Snappy Kraken, and I would say my superpower is building and coaching a dynamic team of segmented customer success managers. Thank you. Craig? Okay, Anita? All right, so let's, I think, let's, uh, I don't see anyone else, uh, anyone I missed. I think we, let's just dive in now and just to be respectful of uh, time. Um, so today, the purpose of this uh, workshop is around segmentation. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to divide <clears throat> the time into two equal uh, space. First, we're going to dive in at a very high level and try to dive in a little on what is segmentation, share a couple of use cases, and then I'm going to leave the floor to the, our attendants to share their own experience, as I mentioned earlier, the good, the bad, and the ugly, if you feel comfortable sharing that. So let me just start at a very high level. You're all familiar with, with um, segmentation, but what is actually segmentation? Um, if I can, here we go. So one thing I, I want to, uh, one thing about- Keel? I'm Keel? sorry, yes, yes. This is, this is Dana, I thought you'd want to know, we actually don't see your presentation screen. We huh. see the, other screen, you know, where it shows next slide and like this, this is, is your view. Thank you. That's good to know. Let me try again. Appreciate. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't uh, share screen. Here we go. Is it better? Uh, we Let's just see need share. spaces. There we go. Perfect. Uh, Does it work? Mm, no, we, now we see the, the main view of the, the PowerPoint. Okay, perfect. Okay. So, no, the, we see the, there we go. Oh, wonderful. We, we made it. Thank you, Dana. Appreciate uh -huh, it. No problem. Um, so, segmentation at a high level, we're all familiar with essentially what it means. We all have different approaches. But one thing I thought this slide is quite relevant because a thing that I want us to bear in mind when we are either joining a company or building from scratch a segmentation strategy is to bear in mind the three key component to be efficient in your in the way you're segmenting your, your customer, which is on the top right on this graph. Bear in mind the cost, volume, and effectiveness. The cost being the time essentially you're going to spend, aka how much the company is going to invest of you reaching out, uh, working closely with the uh, with those accounts, uh, how you're going to segment that. So volume of inquiry, of connection, how effective you're going to be to share essentially value with the customer and the cost. Does it make sense? So again, very high level, we're gonna slowly dive into um, another topic, which I think is quite relevant. I'm hearing a lot about segmentation and tiering, and I'm, I see a bit of confusion between segmenting and tiering. And I just wanted to use this opportunity to share something that a graph that I quite like from Forrester is essentially whether segmenting and tiering are two different topics, but can easily be combined. So. As you know, segmenting is really about categorizing your uh, client based on different characteristics. It can be um, location, market size, 
product, customer type, investment, potential, and so on and so forth. Tiering is how you're going to essentially reach out to them. And one graph, one mindset I'm actually leveraging in my own segmentation is combining both to identify how can we, how can I how can I reach out to this client, bearing in mind what we saw in the slide pre, uh, before, which is cost, effectiveness, and volume. And so I, hopefully this graph makes sense as we can segment your client however you like. It depends on your company's size, your company's type of product or services, the uh, strategy that have already been implemented. And based on each segment, we can tier your client based on However, it's important to you and to your business to strive from no touch or automation all the way to high touch. Does it make sense? Yeah. Bertil, it's Matt. Can I ask a question or uh, raise the challenge now? Absolutely. Go ahead, Matt. Um, so I think you're, so I like the idea of the, the explanation, the difference between the two, but I kind of have a problem with the explanation around tiering mm -hmm. because the, the two kind of areas that you've referenced in that sentence is one is inwardly facing and one is externally facing. So tiering, mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. is customer engagement that impacts our customers and how we engage with them, what we deliver, what we mm -hmm. can't deliver. And the resource prioritization strategy is very mm -hmm. inward facing. Um, and the reality is our customers shouldn't give two hoots about it because they don't care whether they have a CSM that gives them 5% of the time, 50% of their time or 100% of their time. So I think you just, you and we and all of us have to just be careful when we talk about segmentation and tiering, are mm -hmm. we talking about what we deliver to our customers and their desired interaction with us? Or mm -hmm. are we doing it very selfishly for how we scale and deliver a CS organization? This, thank you, Matt. And this is a really good one. Thank you. Let me just jump back on that. What is, to me, and the way I implement this segmentation and tiering is bearing in mind two very important factors. The first one is we are all client um, outcome focus. So what is the, the best outcome for the client? One thing to bear in mind is you have this kind of uh, blurry line where you, you're able to provide enough value to your client until a certain point to reach satisfaction. Anything, anything that goes beyond this line might be kind of lost or it won't have the same impact. What I like about this graph is what I'm actually bearing and keeping in mind is the cost and how and the time and how effective I am communicating with my client based on the client expectation. Uh, let me give an example. Last year, I was uh, handling uh, a large semi-manufacturers semi in the US and I was working with the um, IT team. And this person will spend, uh, invest with our, for, in our service 150K a year. What she was expecting was only one uh, forecast per quarter and one inquiry calls with an analyst for 30 minutes. And to her, that was worth 150K. My job was to understand how often do I have to reach out to her and how to reach out to her. And with this segmenting and tiering, I was able just to get the best value on both sides. She was pleased as she had exactly what she needed to present to the CEO of the company as where to invest and the, and the market forecast. But at the same time, my employer was pleased because I was able to provide a really good return investment to the client while keeping in mind the, value, the volume and the cost for the company to keep this business and potentially grow it. Does it make sense, Matt? Yeah, totally. Thank you. But this is a great, great one. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to share for the four most popular method of segmentation. And what I like about this graph is essentially gather, so you lose four vertical silos are from what is the most easy to implement, requires the less data from the client, but at the same time, the less impactful in your business. So again, it goes back to the previous graph of what's how much you're forecasting for your business what's in for the client and how to actually reduce churn all the way to the most resource intensive requires the most data and developing the, um, a more specific um, framework to access this information are you familiar with this four um, type of segmentation no okay so I'm not going to read the content, but essentially around firmographic needs, um, sophistication, and behavior. So 
Filmographic is really about the characteristic of the client. It's about uh, very straightforward data. It's where the client is located, uh, what, what the company size, uh, what type of technology they're using from which industry. The reason why it's, it's a good starting point, but it, require, it actually requires little data, but the, it generates less insightful information is because we were meant to high level. But it's a good starting point, um, especially if you have cl a client all around the world that helps you to actually break up your customer success team to know who will do what. Uh, the next method will be around the needs, essentially is what your client, whether your client expectation from your product and your service. This requires a bit more digging with the client, but it's fairly limited um, as it provides little insight on how to uh, potentially grow this um, account and uh, uh, make sure that your features are aligned. It's as well limited in terms of the, the benefit of this um, this uh, segmentation is you have you do have valuable insight that you can share with your product team as your main focus really really be around how this client is is leveraging um, your services and gather feedback. Sophistication. This is really about the, we. we slowly diving more into uh, a more resource-intensive um, content. And it's really about um, how um, leveraging the customer data, how much the customer is using and how. Uh, we, the downside of this one specifically is you are looking at his or her usage. And the downside is you don't really see, you don't really understand if the usage is, let's say, uh, something related to a specific project or it's more long-term. I leveraged that last year. And the challenge I face is the client was extremely happy. We had a phenomenal usage to realize that it actually was project-based and it had an end. And then I had to start all over the relationship with another team, project-based. What we want as customer success is to make sure that when we invest time, there is an opportunity to renew and grow the account, obviously. But or if it's a project based, be aware of it as early as possible to be ready for the next phase. The last one is based on behavior. And this is the one that requires the most data from your client. And the most, conversa the most uh, conversation you're going to have with your client is going to help you to really tailor how you're going to connect and how you're going to be working and labor and working with this account. Does it make sense? So I have a question on that. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to understand um, that all makes a lot of sense, but I guess where I've worked generally speaking um, when they've done this and, and maybe I'm getting my, my terms wrong when they've done the segmentation, it's largely been on um, what the potential is in the client. Is that a different mm -hmm. uh, terminology that I'm using? Like would that fall under a difference? something different than segmentation because I, I think within um, client success that mm -hmm. these might make sense for, but as you go up the company, they want to know what they're going to get back um, for their investment in time or how they're, they're managing these accounts. Can you just comment on that? I'm not from the client success area. So I'm just trying to understand a little bit more. No, absolutely. This is a great point. Thanks for sharing that. So yes, potential. This is, um, this is a quite of a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a broad topic that covers, uh, to my understanding, each segment. The, what I, when I'm hearing potential, let, it's about, to me, it is about what is your company looking to achieve? Are you the first um, customer success in uh, this startup and you actually <coughs> looking to uh, leverage large brands just to grow your business? So the potential here is less about generating revenue or retention. It's really about getting this large brand associated with your product. Uh, Mid-sized companies, um, the potential will be just to grow and break into large enterprises, just off my uh, top of my head, or when you are a more established organization, it's really about retention um, and um, and grow those specifically specific accounts around, uh, let's say, industry, or you're about to release a new product. So, in your case, what is How would you identify potential? Um, there's, uh, yeah, I guess, it'd be different from, for every uh, company, but I think largely they look at what drives revenue in accounts. So if it's mm -hmm. something where all of their, you know, say you take a, take a, a account that you have, you know, maybe they've got a hundred thousand employees. Well, if, if that, if the size of the number of employees is what ha tops off the um, opportunity at the, at the client, great. Mm -hmm. But if it's 
if, if the revenue is driven by some other factor than number of employees, um, mm-hmm. that could be probably 50 different things that, that would vary by, by company. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how you align these seg- this segmentation with the uh, demands, as you will, if you will, for, um, from the upper management team. So I'm going to put that on hold for a second because I have a, um, a slide that uh, based on use cases and these are just going to answer specifically your question around potential. I gathered three different uh, three use cases on how uh, specific clients were able to customize their uh, segmentation. Right now, it's very high level. Uh, and this is just a starting point when you're about to segment your client. Let me just dive in through there. And if that's okay, I get back to you with the slide about potential or on potential. Yeah, just, no, just... I, I probably just jumped the gun on you. Sorry about that. No, 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 you're good. This is actually, this is exactly where I want to take you all. And further, here we go. And this is, well, actually, this is the next slide. Sorry. So this is about, uh, to answer your question about potentials. And we have three use cases here that I would like to share with you of companies that have started with different type of segmentation and have created their own way to segment the client. Those three accounts are actually doing an amazing job uh, at segmenting the account. The first one is about uh, potential. I said account, assess, um, how to assess account potential. It's divided in three components, the buyer behavior, the value, the current value, and the potential purely in terms of uh, wallet, of share of wallet. And the way this account just broke that up into three, those three areas, and you can easily plug in your account and create a graph by leveraging the content of this um, slide around how your customer is leveraging your product, what is behavior, typical uh, behavior, how much does he or she engage with you, uh, what are the expectations, the value, the value that the account received, as well as for internal use, the potential, the growth potential. Does he answer the question? Happy to dive in a little more. I just want to make sure that we have enough time to share some additional story. Yeah, that helps from my perspective. Thank you. Everyone else has any comment on this slide? Once, twice. Perfect. Let's move on. So another use case I thought that I wanted to share today is breaking up per, uh, essentially is steering your um, accounts, but creating um, a scorecard. This can be easily customized. The way some of this specific client was working on uh, um, how this client was segmenting their account was based on essentially five important factors of category. The first one, alignment of goals, making sure that your, that your product is aligned with uh, the uh, short and long-term goals of your client. Uh, this is an opportunity for you to work closely with your client, go back to your product team, adapt how uh, adapt the features. The second part is the relationship. This is a really important one is beyond being a champion or not, how well are you able to actually connect with the client? Are you Is the client comfortable uh, working with you on like, having bi-weekly calls? Um, uh, is the client reaching, is the user reaching out to you uh, based on specific question or roadblock they have? Uh, the willingness to partner. This is a very important category as it just, it's an efficient way to reduce churns. Partners will always be less likely just to turn you down as they see the value. Obviously, the specific partner needs to be power in the sense that this person needs to either own the budget or um, have the power over the, the person who's going to allocate budgets to make sure that we can secure this renewal. Financial status. Uh, this is an interesting one, purely in terms of payment. How well are they paying? Are they delayed? Is it quarterly, yearly payment, and so on? And the competitive advantage, which is another important one, which is around um, who are 
with your client working with your competitors who are there and how that is aligned with their own goals. You gather this score and you have here and just underneath an idea of how actually you're going to be, we recommend you to work with your client based on growth potential and type of tiering, like from no touch to high touch. So one thing, before we move to the third use case, one thing I'm going to be, I will share this deck with you all, but one thing that I want you to bear in mind is you don't have, we don't have specific, we don't have a best case. We don't, it's down to everyone, each organization to create their own segmentation based on their company, their goal, their service, uh, where your client is located. Um, you all are more welcome to usually combine everything to create your own tailor segmentation. If you are joining an organization that has already a segmentation in place and they are imposing this framework on you, you can always add sub-segmentation based on what you're hearing from the client and what you think might be the most relevant. But most importantly is about how can we reduce churn? How can we actually provide more value? Keeping in mind as well the cost for your employer as uh, to generate as much value as possible. So this is an interesting one as well uh, that I quite like is, and I think this is the one that provides as well a ton of insight as you're going to be based on the user itself. Uh, I recommend that type of this type of segmentation when you are working with. Um, medium size to large enterprises because you're going to be working exclusively with one specific user. So if you're working with, if you have 150 accounts and each account has five to 10, this is five to 10 user, this is something you won't be able to do, except if you identify for each company, one person who is your champion or power or have control over the budget, who's going to be able to share valuable insight. But focusing on the user and the persona enables you to really align what's top of mind for the client, understand what the, the client's corporate objective, where they want to be in the next five years. Do they want to be public? Do they, are they looking to raise additional funds? Are they looking to be purchased? And working slowly back from the big picture all the way to what we call at Gartner, their mission critical priorities, who actually, essentially the team uh, priorities and breaking that down all the way to the user. So are there a new user? How, are they engaging with the product or not? Uh, what type of user? Uh, where are they located in the company? Um, user as well uh, for uh, MRR or loyal users, inactive users, all of that are very important to identify who's going to pull the plug at the end of the contract, who's going to be renewing, and most importantly, who's going to actually grow their investment with your uh, company. Anyone has any question on this slide? Nope. All right. So, now we come to this last piece, which essentially what I want us to keep in mind when you are segmenting your client is try to go beyond the red, the yellow, and the green. Churn, flat, oh, there is a little potential. I, I like to add a, actually a fourth color, which is purple, uh, my favorite color. Uh, the purple represents the, uh, the account that has the most growth and where we can actually increase the investment. But when you before you diving into how to best segment and how to best serve your client because as matt said what is really important is about the value that your client will perceive um, the client doesn't really care how they're being segmented they just want to make sure that they have enough value at each interaction if as for my client last year she was only looking to connect with me once a month i will just schedule on my calendar once i'm sorry once a quarter I will reach out to her as soon as this specific data was, was published and then right away sent an inquiry call with the analyst and that was, that was perfect for her. Anything above that, she wouldn't see the value. But that, I knew that the color was green without purple. It will be a flat account that will renew every two years and with no growth, but that was enough to actually keep the business. Uh, so before you diving into this, how to segment and serve your client, I always, I always recommend just to step back and think what is the big picture? What are you trying to achieve? 
what the client, what is the client expectation? Leverage whenever you join a team, whenever you do, there is a new account, leverage this SKO as well as well as possible by asking all your questions to know what's really top of mind for them. How can you serve the account as well as possible, bearing in mind the cost for your employers for you to engage with the account? And we need to go back to this first slide around the cost, the effectiveness, and the volume. How often you're going to engage with the client? making sure that you deliver as much value as possible at each interaction. That can be a text, that can be a, an email, that can be a conversation. I know that with my accounts, uh, I like to connect with them bi-weekly. We schedule quarterly review with their executive team. We have media review as well. And one thing that I like to implement as well is what we call an ask uh, at 90. So 90 days before the end of the contract, I reached out to the client and said, are you planning to renew? Would you like to renew earlier and leverage some credit for unused services? This is a little trick. It enables you essentially to reduce churn and I and never leave a client a license go to term. So you always renew the account earlier by leveraging specific value that you can leverage throughout the year. But you are welcome to obviously sub-segment your clients. Uh, if your employer is asking a specific framework uh, and think bigger, what are you looking to achieve? Think of the client, think of your own uh, metrics, successful metrics, and build the best segment, uh, segmentation possible that will serve the, your employers, your team, and yourself. Any questions so far? So, for the remain, as I mentioned, I'm a bit of a Marvel fan. So I'm, I'm just going to leverage the remain 20, 15, 20 minutes of your time just to pause here and leave all of you sharing the bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It would be incredible if uh, you feel comfortable sharing a um, couple of examples that is, end up to be extremely successful and you're able to either secure a specific account, grow accounts, or... Massive failure. I'm happy to start with a big failure. Um, it was actually back to this quarterly uh, conversation I would have with this uh, manufacturer, this um, semiconductor manufacturer. I was, ex I thought she would not be engaged enough with us, and so I've been pushing really hard to present other features of our product to realize that she was only interested in one specific product. That was a failure, but a good learning curve as I was able, I learned a lot in terms of how deep you can go into a conversation with a client to identify what really is top of mind for him or her. Would you like to share your experience? I'm just going to pick one. Let's start with Christian. Um, actually, I don't have a great story to share on this, so I'd like to, to push to someone else. Perfect. I can, Ronnie, uh -huh. I go can. ahead. Diana, please. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, this one's a little bit recent, but um, I guess, you know, early stage startup. So just kind of like setting, setting the, the foundation here. Um, early stage startup, we have never really defined segments, yet we've got up market a few times. And so the danger there is that, you know, the customers that started out with you day one, mm -hmm. kind of like your, your founding customers, um, sometimes they get pushed out of the um, kind of like the strategic space where you get to have meaningful conversations with them because maybe the ACV doesn't match the specific segment that they should be in. Yet, mm -hmm. because we've gone up market, um, doesn't mean that they don't have the same needs that someone um, who maybe has a larger ACV, but maybe same number of users has. So in that case, um, I think it's it was a fail because now we're pushing them outside of this customer experience that they've, they've had in the past. Um, when we just solely focus on ACB and not so much about like the way that they're using their their products or our products, um, and also just thinking strategically, where could this logo fit down the road, even if they don't match our ACB? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Dan. Anyone wants to jump on Diana's comment? Andreas, I see your hands. Oh, sorry, I'm on. Sorry, what? Uh, Andreas, would you like to jump on Diana's comment? Or do you have no, um, not so much on on her comment, but um, I I use a very different approach. Mm -hmm. So it's everything that I heard is not really customer centric, mm -hmm. and um, like Matt has said, for the customer them themselves in the first order, it is important that we show value to their business problems. 
Mm -hmm. so the first um, segmentation for me is what are the use cases? What are the outcomes that they're trying to achieve? Because that drives everything. That drives the innovation into specific capabilities. That drives the messaging from a marketing and sales perspective and also from a customer success. And then, mm -hmm. yes, the secondary things, absolutely. Um, we need to be aware um, then how, how much effort some clients require to keep mm -hmm. them alive, right? Mm -hmm. um, which definitely go, goes in there. But with all this internal focus on segmentation, that is my view of the customer. I don't mm -hmm. care as a consumer of any service, may it be as an end user or as an executive, how you view me. <laughs> I've, no, I view myself with this, that, or the other. So that's, that's why I, um, I emphasize this. And um, I have statistical data that um, actually shows that using that approach leads to better results for my my team and better net revenue retention overall and higher profits. This is thank you, Andrew. This is really useful. And obviously, I should have made clear at the beginning. The first step when you are handling an account is what is what essentially. I like the first question I like to ask a new account is why? Why have you signed up with us? Often, on from the sales team, you're going to have limited information. So, why us? Why do you need us? Why did you sign on? How would you measure your own? What are your own metrics to measure how successful our partnership is going to be? What's top of mind for the client? So, this is part of the SKO, is this big picture. When, where they want to be in the next five years, how can we and work backward? How can we help them? What the, to me, segmentation, and I agree with what Andra says and Matt, is not about the client, it's not about us, it's about the client, but it's how can we best serve the client based on what the client is, what has, what the client is, um, has, what is top of mind for the client, but as well bearing in mind that you have limited time. You have limited resource. Like if you work for yep. a company such as Gartner, you have more resource things, you have more tools. But if you work for a startup that just launched a new customer success program, you have limited tools. You might have to jump from an Excel spreadsheet to a CRM that kind of does, but doesn't really do customer success to understand the engagement. So it requires a lot of work from you. And this is part of how effective you are. What I like about segmentation is bearing in mind what's, once you understand where the client, how the client is leveraging your services, one stop of mind for them, then you go back to the um, whiteboard and you design how you're going to engage with them. Bearing in mind that you need, I think the most challenging part when you're working with clients is to, to identify this gray area where you can deliver value up to, to be, to secure the renewal and growth. But beyond this, invisible line, this threshold, the client will no longer really see value and expect always more from you, which is going to reduce your chance to grow the account and take more resource and time. So thanks, Andre, but I really agree. Client first, segmentation is our internal tool to be effective, cost effective, uh, and be able to uh, share value to the client at each interaction. Uh, Christina. Hi, um, I'll share a bit of what worked. Um, just like Diana, I'm right now feeling some of the strains that she had already felt, which is that we were in this space where we might have to leave our first customers behind and focus on the new customers we brought into the funnel. And so what has worked to deal with that very, very big challenge is focusing on driving the segment of the tech touch mm -hmm. and then using all of the persona work that the CX team has done to understand what problem we're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And then for the customers that aren't reaching out, using um, some tools like Full Story to look at who's coming onto our product, even if they're not converting, where, what part of the product are they using? For an, ex an example would be a lot of people learn more about nutrition. They learn more mm -hmm. about our chefs. Then segmenting within that tech touch stream of of communication that can, again, help them understand, can this product be for them? And then to kind of like double dip for our existing customers that have been around since the beginning to then reshare the value. Cause we've changed so much as our product has changed so much. And so to reshare the value as kind of like a loop. And so that's really what the past three months have been for our CX team is to create value for our mm -hmm. new customers and then find a way to segment and reshare it with our core 
customers, which I believe are the best fit for our product. Um, and our newer customers are less qualified. Um, so that's another challenge too, is like you're selling to people who aren't really bought into your product. And so you do have to nurture a little bit more and then as well, mm -hmm. jump, get into conversations and learn who they are. So I would say we do customer persona, uh, fact finding like every three months. And it's really hard because we're very resource strapped. Mm -hmm. and, and one challenge of doing persona building is that, mm -hmm. um, it really needs, you really need to be able to pass the baton off to somebody in the company. And if you're passing it to yourself, um, you end up do feeling quite worn down and it, it mm -hmm. does really deplete your morale. So I would definitely say one challenge of that on our team is like morale is really low because mm -hmm. our end users look so different. We have so many different types of customers today because of the pandemic, mm -hmm. because we had to pivot in order to survive. And so we do care about the customer outcome, but ultimately <laughs> like we kind of have to, we have to get to that point where we're selling consistently to each seg to each customer in order to effectively segment. So today we are not segmenting in the way that you've presented today, but segmented based on interests we're seeing within the product. I love it. And there is something else that I, I think in specifically for your industry, Christina is, and I know very little about nutrition, uh, even though I'm French, uh, but, one thing that is interesting is what we see with the pandemic is essentially behavior changing. And I guess for Christine, for your, for the main, one of the main challenge I see is, is this behaving is going to last or is it going to be project based? Uh, I read somewhere that it takes eight to nine months for an adult to change their um, uh, routine and their behavior. Mm -hmm. But again, like for example, you look at uh, the um, shelter, animal shelters. They are all empty, which is great, but it might only be project-based. It might be just people are stuck at home, lonely, and get a pet. Uh, I know I was looking for a dog. The last dogs available at any shelters were pit bull uh, with a very right. dark history. But my point is, once we are out of the vaccine, when we have a vaccine, are we back to normal? Are we going to keep this healthy diet? Are we going to leverage Christine platform? as well as we're using uh, them today because we stuck at home, we have a Peloton, we, have, we, we don't really drink alcohol, even though this is the first thing we have in mind when we wake up, I feel like a glass of wine. But let me ask you a question, Christine, do, your product, do you have like a free version and then a paid version or is it just paid? Um, it's paid, um, but it's a unique model in that we're B2B and mm -hmm. that part of it can be subsidized by the business and the customer would then pay for the rest. So they, there is a sliding scale a little bit. So not all of our customers pay the same price because we're selling to B2B. Okay. So your service is actually um, top to bottom. So, and so who will like your user will be essentially HR or the, 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 so who's going to be power? Who's going to decide uh, who's going to um, uh, the, renew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of, we started out as a customer success team and transitioned to a CX team, mainly because we were less invested in the outcome of the B2B mm -hmm. and more invested in if the people in the office are not using the product, the HR who signs the contract is not invested in keeping it around and looks mm -hmm. for alternatives. And so we did shift to like, what is the customer experience versus the success outcome of the account? I understand. That makes sense. Perfect. Any comments on Christine challenge? Any recommendation based on your own experience? Andreas, I see the lips moving. I know you're dying to say something. Diana? <laughs> no, my comments are all about French food and the healthiness of it. <laughs> so. uh, no, we, we're a bad example. Like I remember when I moved to the US, I, had a, I asked for a glass of wine at a client's lunch and they would look at me like, just like what are you doing in California? <laughs> Any uh, any comment on Christine's challenge? I think it's a really interesting one linked to not only the client, the industry, but really the time, the, the being in the midst of COVID-19. Do we have any other best practice, any uh, stories, successful or some I challenges? question mm -hmm. that I could ask the group here, if, if I may. So, uh, Absolutely. Go, Jack. Um, we... Uh, you know, in, 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 our, in our world, uh, uh, where I work, um, the CSM or, or CSM type of services like uh, onboarding and everything else, it's, it's part of the, of the package, as we like to say, it's part of the service. Are, are any of you charging or have you heard of any companies that are actually 
uh, offering the CSM onboarding as an add-on uh, on their uh, on their packages, or or have you seen a trend where this is uh, uh, occurring, or is COVID kind of uh, blocking any of those initiatives just because of the fear of losing clients or losing uh, prospects? And, and Jake, I can uh, speak on, on my behalf of, of my last company that I worked for. Uh, it was acquired by SAP. And so we actually had to change the, the whole segmentation uh, for to match what SAP was doing. And so I know that very large customers like that, um, SAP actually has what they call preferred support. Um, and so they get some aspects of customer success included. Um, but again, a lot of the consultative conversations and really driving that they want to make sure that, that they are charging for all of that because that's sort of how their business goes. And so um, I, I think that a company like that, such a large global company, uh, they, they sort of have that forefront. Um, it, it takes a lot of investment to be on their CRM and use all these different platforms that are extremely sticky. It's harder for customers to leave. And so they can do that. Um, so I think that if you have that stickiness, Mm -hmm. there, there, there's a potential there. Uh, if you if you don't have that stickiness and you make it more difficult to have some of those consultative conversations that are really going to show the value, uh, it's going to hinder the, the engagement and adoption, uh, in my opinion. Thank you. Yeah, um, and uh, also to Jake's question, I mean, I've I've sold onboarding services in the magnitude of multiple million dollars. So that wouldn't be, be something I would give away for free. Um, but in other cases, I agree with you, Jake, that there is a huge expectation that a lot of the onboarding activities should be very intuitive self-service. And if you need any human interaction to, to not pay for them. So looking into what is at the, that end of the spectrum and especially for the large companies where it's not, how do I make use of the tool kind of like as a tax that you have to pay, but how do I help as an external to bring you into the best practices that we have in there, which is the more consultative arm. And that's definitely something that you can charge for if Thank the core getting it done works in itself. Thank you, Andrea. I, I want to be respectful of everyone's time. We have another two minutes, but thanks, Andrea. I Next step, I will share the deck. Uh, I'm more than happy to answer any questions you may have. I will, uh, if you have any ideas of specific content you would like to uh, review on our monthly workshop, more than happy to think about it and work on that. But I hope you enjoyed the, this very first workshop. A uh, few things I'm going to change in terms of the agenda moving forward, but that was a wonderful experience. So thank you very much, everyone. Reach out if you have any questions. Stay safe and uh, speak to you soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.